Right on the set. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Pace the Nation, broadcasting here from Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. We are downtown Arlington. Of course, that is Clarendon, the heart of Arlington County. We are back for episode number 122 and a full crew intact to get us through this episode. To my right, of course, it's Joanna E. Russo. Joanna, what's up? 122 was one of my former addresses. Uh, where did you live at the time? New Jersey? No, this was in D.C. In D.C.? Yeah. Uh, do you care to share what road that was on? No. No? <laughs> okay. Was it a recent address? Uh, listen, I don't need people knowing my... Out there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Also uh, in studio with us, of course, it's our other co-host, William E. Docs. Docs, what's up? I feel like all the stalkers out there already know which road uh, it that's was. Probably <laughs> that's probably so, true. That's probably true. So I don't yeah. know what the hesitation is. No, no need to... Um, we do we do talk weather a lot on this show. We do. Much to my chagrin, every time I edit the show, I'm like, oh, good, we yeah. talked weather again. <laughs> but um, we could talk internal weather. Yes. Because it is freezing in the studio because after three and a half years, the landlord finally fixed the air conditioning. <laughs> yes, we have as, AC. As the hot weather is leaving us, <laughs> right. they put the AC on. Right. I, I think Joanna's uh, like shivering over there. It's true. Mm-hmm. I have a sweatshirt on. I know. Mm-hmm. You might have to put on that other sweatshirt as well. Uh, yeah, we have it uh, fixed. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, in the past when we were trying to cool off the studio, we'd have these fans blaring in the background. And we tried a couple times. We had guests bring in portable fans and it was just mm-hmm. too loud. It's too loud. Yeah. You can't have that kind of noise in here. Um, yeah. I just had a thought, though. Do you think that the heat works? Or yeah. now is the whole winter going to be cold? I can. I, I'm. I'm better off with cold than. than oh, me that, too. Hundred percent. Yeah. I can. I can wear my six favorite right, sweatshirts. So, so let's. Uh, let's just be thankful that at least we have the air conditioning. Yeah. I can't guarantee anything as it gets co- uh, colder this winter. Mm-hmm. I assume the heat works, but mm, we'll uh, find out. Yeah, we will yeah. find out. You know what they say when you make when you assume. Yeah, um, it's a cliche that i forget but mm-hmm. it's, a well, it's not a cliche thing. but it is a there is a phrase yeah it's something but mm-hmm. <laughs> we make an ass out of you and me no that's right that's what it is all right big show to get to today guys uh excited to be joined by uh runner's world columnist he's also an author alex hutchinson will join us today oh he's a columnist yes <laughs> oh, i wore this shirt for nothing uh, <laughs> docs has got a Old school <laughs> Russia shirt. Yeah, it's a soccer jersey from the it's 1960s. It's really funny. Really C-C-C-P. funny. <laughs> In- <laughs> it's really inside here. Uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> re- Go ahead. <laughs> he, just, he just busted that on me. It's really. <laughs> yesterday, I'm sorry. I got to compose myself here. Yeah, be a professional. Yesterday on the. On the text string or her or uh, email that I sent out to the group, I said, <laughs> "What'd you say? I forgot what you said." We. This is so dumb. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I said we have a, a <laughs> runners runners world communists. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. You, you told gotta, us. You, you edit, told us. You gotta edit this out. I no chance. You told us. You told us the guest was gonna be a communist. A runner's world. A runner's communist. world communist. Yeah. I was just trying to make yeah. him feel welcome. All right. That is really <laughs> funny. Um, all right. It's not that funny. I don't know why mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I said it was runner's world uh, communist. Yeah. <laughs> And you sent it. That's it. Was a text, and you sent a text back with Kim mm-hmm. Jong Il or something. Kim Jong Un. No. Something. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I, I I mistyped, or maybe it was Siri who. Uh, do you who do misheard when me. you do your text messages? Do you, do you also, do you tend to like talk into the microphone and have it dictate for a you? A lot of times I do that, and maybe that's yeah. what happened there. And I just botched it. I think, or I, I think I'm Siri, an awful speller too. Siri so is a, could have been either. Siri's a bad listener, in my experience. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Joanna, how do you so, do your text? Do you type them up or do you do you talk them up? No, I I t- uh, type them. Mm-hmm. I've never done the talking before. I don't know that never? I know how to do that. Can never? I do that on my phone? My phone's from like 2009. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. you probably can. Just as long as you update the iOS, I think you can. Okay. She did because remember, like she, I had the to have the emojis. Right. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, Alex Hutchinson will join us. He's a columnist, not mm-hmm. a communist. Well, we don't know what his political <laughs> affiliations are. Uh, he is. He's on uh, Facebook as the, the uh, Sweat Science Guy. So he is. He's big into uh, the science of running. So maybe we'll ask him. We had a debate last week on the show. We, we didn't have a debate. I wasn't a debate. We told a you. <laughs> we told you the answer. About variables, controlled variables. It's not controlled variables. It's variables right. and controls. So fortunately, he, his timing is, is, is perfect. That We will have him on the show. We'll ask him about that. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll clarify for me um, about variables, how these experiments work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out. The scientific uh, process. Yeah, we'll figure yeah. out whether Michael being a fast runner uh, is a good <laughs> controlled variable. Just straight up ask him yeah. if Michael's a fast yeah. runner. Yeah, we'll, we'll get as to the we'll As to a scientist, that. I'm sure you've heard about the Michael <laughs> yeah. experiment. Yeah, well, he's got a book. He's got a, I think he's got another book uh, coming out. Uh, he was big into the two-hour marathon and whether he can, uh, whether the, it's actually possible physically to run the two-hour marathon. Oh, okay. So I want to get his take on that as well. Yeah. Uh, also on today's program, my, my running career may be over. I might have mm-hmm. ruined it um, Friday night. Interesting. Uh, Joanna was there to witness it. Uh, it was um, embarrassing and more than embarrassing. Um, I might have just uh, at least put my running career on the shelf for a little mm-hmm. bit. So maybe my um, streak of marathons could be in jeopardy. Next week, can we get a, a, a word linguist to uh, dissect the word career for you? <laughs> <laughs> Since we've got the scientist on here to talk about uh, variables, all right, all right, okay. So career maybe a little mm-hmm. bit. I, I, well, I'm, we won't. We'll, we'll reserve judgment until we get this right, guest fine. next week. All right, I may be embellishing a little bit my career, <laughs> but that's the way I felt uh-huh. on Friday and uh-huh. this weekend. Uh, it was it was pretty traumatic for me. Okay. Uh, also on today's program, uh, the football season is here, mm-hmm. uh, and. Didn't go well for my team yesterday. So, Who'd they play? Uh, yeah, they played. Who's your team again? Your, uh, the, the Washington Redskins. The Washington football team. Of course. Uh, didn't go well for them, and they uh, lost to Doxus Philadelphia Eagles. So oh, I, I do want to really? touch. Yeah, I do want to touch yes! on that. Yes! 
You didn't even know that? No, I had no yeah, idea. I'm sure he didn't know that. <laughs> uh, but today, as we record on Monday, uh, 9-11, I did want to touch on that real quick. Uh, the 9-11 road race uh, here in Arlington happened on Saturday, a really great event that Pacers Running is always a part of. Uh, none of the three hosts were there, but uh, really was it was it was a great event. Which is probably why it went so well. Right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, wanted to wanted to touch on. Uh, we usually don't record on Mondays, but we are recording here we Monday nine yeah. eleven. Um, do you guys remember? I'm sure you do. Where were you on nine eleven? Joanna was probably like five years old, but uh, <laughs> where were you specifically, Joanna? Uh, I was in high school. High school. Yeah. Okay. So um, I went to a Catholic high school and there was a joke, a continuous joke in school because we would constantly be, not constantly, but it would happen every now and then that we would have to stay in our classrooms. And the joke among the students was that father had spilled whiskey in the lobby and that he was cleaning it up and that's why we had to stay in the classroom. So mm-hmm. Uh, the morning of 9-11, I was in chorus and we had an announcement that came on that was like, you know, everyone has to stay in their classrooms. Nobody's allowed to leave. And we were all like joking around like, oh, father's been in the whiskey again. Father's been in the whiskey again. And then after we learned like what had really happened, um, one of my friends who uh, I had like been joking around with the whiskey thing, he's like on the front lawn, like desperately trying to get in touch with his parents because they worked in the city. You know, growing up in New Jersey, a lot of my friend's parents worked in, in New York. So it was uh, it was like a really surreal day. Just we weren't allowed to have cell phones, and suddenly like that rule is gone. Everyone's out on the front lawn, like trying to get in touch with their parents or other family members. Now you were in New Jersey. I was in New Jersey, so mm-hmm. close to uh, obviously close-ish to the New York City, right? Was people yeah. were there folks in your high school that were immediately impacted? One of my training partner's mother worked on the 80th floor of the first tower, so she um, yeah she did not survive. Mm. Um, awful yeah and my brother at the time was across the river at the maritime academy and my my mom luckily worked just down the road and then my dad was in china so he uh he actually couldn't come home and it's very close to my birthday and it was my 16th birthday and my dad was stuck in china so he couldn't come home wow um docs yep where were you I was uh working in connecticut right mm-hmm. outside new york wow City. so you were close to uh yeah and Ground I, zero as well. Wow. And I was on a, a job site and I was I was out in in the field um, and my boss called me up on the radio and he says, do you have uh, Internet? Mm-hmm. And I did because we tapped into the customer's <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. network right. Uh, so that we had Internet where we were. And my first reaction, you know, was. Oh, uh, did I just get caught? Uh, <laughs> you thought you were caught red-handed. Yeah, yeah. All right. And and so, but I was like, well, if he's asking the question, he probably knows the answer. So I was like, yes, I do. And he said, go to uh, a news site. So he didn't want to tell me over the radio, but he was like, stop what you're doing and go to a news site and see what happened. Um, and you know that's it's crazy actually. Uh, my dad, I, I talked to my parents a lot. Um, and I knew that my dad was flying from D.C. to California that day. Wow. But he had a he had a later flight, so he hadn't even gone to the airport yet. But I, I didn't know that, and so I was, like, trying to call them because I think two of the planes took off from, from D.C., right? They, they, they did, yeah. And so the, the one that went into the Pentagon was a D.C. flight, and then the, the other one that crashed in Pennsylvania was a D.C. flight. But 
I think I got in touch with my my parents pretty quickly, but at, initially when I was calling them, the phone circuits were uh, were busy, and you know that was that was pretty scary, you know, personally for me because um, because you know even though I was like, oh okay, well you know, dad's flying to California tomorrow, like I didn't say, well what's your flight number? Yeah, and what time know. does it leave? Exactly. And, and all yeah, this kind of stuff. Right. So yeah, so it was. Uh, I mean. And then, of course, like everybody who was there on the job site, the job like immediately shut down, and there were a ton of people that that went down uh, to New York to uh, assist and everything like that. So, um, yeah. Did anybody immediately was anybody immediately on your job site immediately impacted? Family, friends, friends for sure. Yeah, yeah. I remember driving home from Connecticut back down to D.C. shortly after nine eleven. And I have to say that it was very inspirational how many American flags were on every overpass yeah. and how many American flags were hanging out in, in front of everybody's house and, like, signs that were up. And, and uh, you know, even though we were attacked here in this country, uh, how, how unified everybody was and, and, and how it really, uh, rather than, than dropped our spirits down, it actually... Uh, had the opposite true, effect and, and, and lifted everybody's spirits and 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 uh, this country really did uh, rise together, which which I thought was uh, you know makes you proud to be an American. No doubt. I mean, you know? it was you you felt so patriotic mm-hmm. uh, the next you know weeks, months, um, and certainly even on this day, I think you know there's a lot of patriotism. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say about about it was was uh, when I did get home and then I and I was driving by the Pentagon, uh, even though I'd seen pictures on the internet, seeing the Pentagon destroyed like that um, or, or damaged in person when you drive by and you see just how how grand it is, how big it was, was was extremely emotional. Yeah. Um, particularly, you know, with the uh, military background that you know my family has that that uh yeah didn't your dad uh, did your dad work in the pentagon at times or at the times yeah i mean i think he was stationed there when we moved here uh-huh. uh or or one of his tours was at the pentagon and and i've been in the pentagon before and you know it's it, i mean i think like not not to discount anything else but i think just seeing it in person was extremely emotional i uh yeah i i remember i was at the I was at a dental appointment and I came out of the, you know, uh, you know, eight thirty dental appointment. I came out an hour later and I turned on my favorite uh, sports station and it was like a Tom Brokaw or somebody like, you know, on the station. I thought, Oh, what did I turn it to WTOP or news mm-hmm. station or what's going on here? And yeah, you would never <laughs> listen to it on the news. news station. No, I knew that wasn't the right station. I knew those, those don't even work. Uh, those uh, stations yeah. don't even work in my car. Uh, so that no, and then you, you realize pretty quickly that this this was a big thing. If if they had you know bra- broken into a national news station, so uh, yeah. So I was I was I was actually headed downtown that day, and after the dental appointment, and then uh, did not obviously end up going downtown. And it was a Tuesday, and we always did. Um, uh, at that time, my buddy McCartney and I, we always did uh, workouts. Yeah, Joanna's cousin. <laughs> always did workouts on the polo fields on Tuesday. And, you know, that obviously was canceled. 
but uh, he and I still went down there and tried to do a bit of a run just to check things out. And, and it, it was it was eerie how few people, there was nobody downtown. And I don't even think, I think there was people that evening, like, I don't know, police officers or there was D.C. police, Capitol police that wouldn't let you even run downtown. Uh, the whole city was kind of on shut uh, yeah. lockdown. So just a crazy, crazy day. Um, and, you know, it's one of those days where everybody remembers exactly where you were and what you were doing. And I, th- I think it's always interesting to hear where people were. It's also interesting how in just 16 years, communication has changed so much. Like when you think about how we all kind of heard yep. what happened, like I, we found out because our science teacher had internet and had a computer. So he kind of like told everyone on that floor what was happening. But like kids today always have cell phones with them no or, you know, there would have been something on Twitter or Instagram. So just how news traveled even then versus today is totally different. Well, don't get me started on Twitter though. Because I remember when Osama bin Laden was killed, the for an hour, the news on Twitter, they got the headline right, but the details were That's true. completely mm-hmm. wrong. So I, I well, think I'm that not that saying was, that it's yeah. correct. I'm yeah. just saying that information right. travels a lot it was quicker. Not necessarily better that they didn't. We didn't have Twitter at the time, but yeah. I mean, it may have been worse that we. we or it may have been better that we didn't have Twitter. I, I think say. that it would have caused a lot more pandemonium. Because yeah. yeah. even even in New Jersey, I'm probably uh, an hour and a half away from the city where I grew up. And parents went nuts. Like, my mom is a teacher. So at her elementary school, people were trying to get their kids up from the school. Same thing at the high school. Um, and, and sure, there's always a threat when you hear about a terrorist attack. But, like, we were, we were pretty far removed from it. And I think that if you'd had Twitter, there just would have been more chaos and more pandemonium. Because there would have been a lot of misinformation yep. going around. Well, it was a crazy day. I just wanted to to uh, acknowledge it and, um, and and talk about it quickly um, because I know everybody was affected. Um, I mentioned that I was uh, going for a training run with McCarney, and, and we were in part of this training group uh, at the time that Coach Matt Sinchowitz was coaching. Our next guest was also part of that training group. I got to know Alex Hutchinson Back in the early 2000s when he was in D.C., I think he was getting his Ph.D. at Amer- – I don't know. Smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he what was, does Ph.D. stand for again? It's some sort of – you become a doctor when you get a Ph.D. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, you know. I don't want to try to uh, – I don't want to embarrass myself. Uh-huh. Uh, well, maybe we'll ask him that. Um, or maybe you could tell – what does Ph.D. stand for? Oh, we'll ask him. All right. We'll do that. It's a player-hating degree. <laughs> All right, next up, uh, Runner's World columnist and author Alex Hutchinson joins us next here on Pace the Nation. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, guys, we are excited to be joined by uh, an old friend of mine, Runner's World columnist uh, and author Alex Hutchinson. Alex, how are you, man? Not too bad. It's uh, thanks for having me on the show, Chris. Well, good to good to talk to you, man. Uh, I was just t- talking um, before you came on that uh, you were in the same training group with with me, and I mentioned Tom McCarney um, back in. I, I want to say it was the early two thousand. When were you here in DC? Yeah, I was here for two thousand two through partway through two thousand four, so about two and a half years uh, in DC. Okay. And were you were you I, I now I, I, I don't know this. I should have read your bio online here, but I think you might have been getting a PhD here at American or 
What, what were you doing here? Yeah, I, I, I was doing a, a, a postdoc in physics at uh, the University of uh, Maryland, actually, out in College Park. Okay. So I was living out in, uh, out in suburban Maryland and uh, running in along the Pink Branch Trail and in Greenbelt Park yeah. and stuff like that. And you were running for, for Centro at the time. Now, Alex is a, is a star runner, um, you know, from Can- – where in Canada are you from? I'm from Toronto, which is where I'm, I'm talking to you from now. Oh, but, right on. Uh, yeah, I was, I was running for Canada at the time, but, but training with Centro was uh, – was an adventure, one of the highlights of my of my running career for sure. <laughs> now, we've had Centro on this uh, program a few times, and uh, yeah, he is he 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 is a, a character. Um, any good memories from Centrowitz that you could share with us? <laughs> They're all good memories yeah. because I'd be terrified to say anything that wasn't a good memory. That's good. <laughs> now, it was, it was, when I showed up in Washington, I I had heard that there was this training group that I wanted to get on board with that that's where the, the fast guys were and the guys uh, were, were training and I, I started calling him and he just wouldn't return my calls which is you know <laughs> typical I was, he, who, who the hell was I right? like he didn't he didn't know who I was but uh, it took me a couple uh, a couple months before I think it was through Robert Johnson of Let's Run who finally uh, told Centro hey there's this guy he's touching me can you, can you give him a call <laughs> and uh, and so he, he invited me to come out to, to work out one day and you know, driving in from Maryland to American U is is not easy in Washington. Traffic is not good. So, and I was working like I'm in theory. So I kind of cut it a little too close. Got stuck in traffic, and I showed up at the the this very first workout. Part you know, parked the car, ran to the track, and there was like eight minutes before right. the, first, the intervals were going to start. And I hadn't even warmed up. And so I, I, I found Central, he's easy to find, and I said, oh, I'm that Canadian guy who, who, who kept emailing me. He's like, okay, five minutes, uh, ready to go. You're going to go with the, the university team with O'Brien and Seymour. You know, do a 1,200 in, like, I can't think it was supposed to be 312 or something. Right. Something crazy. But something I'd never, fast. I've never even run 800 that fast in a workout. <laughs> Especially I, so with I, eight know, minutes I, I warm my spikes. Yeah. Yeah, this guy laced on my spikes, did did two two laps and ran like an all time workout PR. Nice. Uh, you know, because I was so terrified of, of of being like told expelled from the group on my first day. So oh, that's a great story, uh, man. Good stuff. That 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 anybody who ran for Centro can definitely relate. Uh, that is awesome. Um, all right, so you got a PhD in physics, and now you're an author. Farley wants to know what the H stands for. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh, I guess it's a uh, philosophy doctorate. Uh, okay. In theory is what PhD stands for. Gotcha. Okay. But uh, yeah, the physics was 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 really hard and really boring. So uh, <laughs> when I when I finished up at uh, at the University of Maryland, I I just kind of decided I wanted to do something that I was a little more uh, passionate about. I no disrespect any physicists out there. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually went back to school um, in my late twenties and did a did a journalism degree, and there's kind of hope with to be able to combine things that I was interested in, like say running, and uh, and science, and and various other things. And so it ended up working out. I, I I wouldn't have been able to predict that I'd end up writing for Runner's World, but uh, um, it ended up be, being able to use that science background that I had from earlier on to kind of analyze information, to look at studies. Um, so it's not like I use my physics in a, in a direct way, but I think that, that sort of way of thinking has helped me carve out a niche in the, in the running journalism world. Well, let's start with, uh, so you wrote a book, which comes first, cardio or weights. Uh, I think that's a topic that a lot of runners 
I know I struggled with, uh, like how much lifting do you do or should you do? Do you lift with your legs? Do you not lift with your legs? Uh, give us the, the, the short answer on, sum up the book for us. Give us the cliff notes. What's comes first, cardio or weights? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really easy. I can sum up the book in, in about two seconds, and the answer is it depends. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you buy the book. No, um, yeah. the, 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 you know, as, as, as you know, there, there are no like simple answers that apply in every situation. But one of the, and, and this was kind of the curse when the book came out, is that every time, you know, I probably did like, 50 interviews, and that, the first question was always, so which does come first? Yeah. Your weights? And I, I never had a good answer that for that, because it really depends on what you're, what you're going for. The, the, the cliff notes is, is whatever's most important in any given session, what, if you're, if you're, let's say you want to, on a given day, you want to do weights and you want to run, uh, whichever one is most important, you should do first. That's, that's partly because you'll be fresh, uh, and you'll have more energy, but it, there's also, it, it turns out that there's, your body, when your body, on a cellular level, when your body adapts, it can either be in kind of building up muscle mode or enhancing uh, endurance mode, and it can't shift in- instantly. So if you if you start by doing a run and then you go immediately to the weight room, it takes your body just won't be adapting quite as efficiently to to putting on strength. So for runners, uh, strength is important, and you know it, it may well be something you want to incorporate in your program. But if you're doing weights first and then going out for a run, you're not going to get as much out of your run. But it's, um, and in terms of what, whether you should do like leg weights, uh, I, my, my, my opinion is shifting on that a little bit. I, I was always not a leg weights guy. I never did leg weights when I was competing seriously. There are lots of examples of really, really good runners who do leg weights. So now, so that's one argument against it. And then the other thing that I'm noticing is, you know, I'm, I'm 41 now. Um, I'm, I don't have a lot of muscle to spare, and so I'm starting to think. Actually, the older I get, the more important it is to do some do some weights, both lower body and upper body. You know, to make both for running sake and to make sure I can get out of the chair when I'm 65. And and so that that was one topic in your book. But can you summarize what the book was? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, the, the the book is basically uh, 111 questions and answers about. Um, uh, fitness and health uh, from a scientific perspective. So the goal was basically uh, not to give you my advice, uh, but to, to to look up uh, what the what science knows and doesn't know about questions like does stretching prevent injuries? Uh, you know, should should you do weights to enhance your your endurance? Uh, you know, should you have sex the night before a race? Just whatever, all the questions that people have. Just go and, and go to the literature, go to the scientists, and say, "What do we know?" And you know, the truth is, the answer, like I said, in a lot of cases, is it depends, or we're not sure. But there are a lot of things we do know, and and uh, um, and and, the, and and those are things that are not necessarily the the conventional wisdom that you hear about. You know, whether it's taking you know antioxidant supplements, uh, do they work? Well, actually, the evidence suggests that if you're taking a bunch of vitamin C, you may actually. Uh, interfere with the endurance benefits of of, of running. So that's what it is. It, it, it's it's basically a big collection of of what do we know at this point and what do we not know. So how did you do your for this book? Like how did you do your research? Like is it is it just you know you you talking to a lot of people, reading a lot of articles, a combination of both? What was it? The, where the book came from and the way the reason the research was possible was that I had a newspaper column here in Canada. In fact, I still do in a, in a newspaper called the Globe and Mail. 
which was basically once every two weeks, take a question, a common question, and call up a bunch of scientists and read a bunch of papers and say, what do we know about this? So I had a few hundred uh, questions in the bank when I decided to start putting the book together. And so then I was able to kind of say, okay, what are the patterns we can look for? What are the what are the questions that, that fit together and that create a coherent kind of picture and, and draw? And I did more research, but I, I, I probably... I think there are about 400 references at the back of that book to scientific papers, and I talked to well over 100 scientists. Um, and, you know, science isn't, like, perfect. <laughs> so right. there's differences of opinion, and there's, there's conflicting studies. So, you know, for instance, when I wrote the book, you know, barefoot running, big question, um, lots of conflicting advice about it. So I didn't try and take a position and say, this is the final answer on how you should run. I just said, look, here, here's what we know. Here's what this, the theories are. Here's the evidence behind them. You can decide for yourself what's right for you, but I'm just going to present the information because we, there's enough people out there who, who think they know the answers, and I'm not going to be another one who pretends, pretends to have all the answers. So you're also um, a columnist for, for Runner's World, uh, which you, you can see uh, Alex's work. Is it, every, I mean, a couple times a week, right? How often are you in uh, Runner's World? Yeah, I have an online column called Sweat Science, which is a similar thing, basically looking at uh, just new studies that have to do with running or with endurance athletes or with, with health. And that, I, I, usually a couple times a week, I'm writing about a new study. And then I have a training column in a magazine that shows up once a month. And, and a lot of the, I mean, I think a lot of what I like about your articles are, you know, for, for people who are, you know, veteran runners, new to runners. I mean, these are questions that runners have. Uh, and also... A lot of there's so much information out there about running, like running will help prevent heart disease or running actually, you know, makes you have heart attacks. I mean, there's just so much information out there, which is crazy. And I think that you cover a lot of stuff. So I want to go over a couple um, a couple things here that you, you've talked about. Uh, I wanted to ask about knee arthritis has doubled. Is that because of running? That was one article you covered. Yeah, that's that. This is a, a, a sort of favorite topic of mine that I've been writing about for a decade, and it's kind of like <laughs> it, it, it's a never-ending task because everyone assumes that uh, you know running must be hard on the knees, you know, right. all that pounding. And I knew a guy who used to be a big runner, and then when he was fifty, he had arthritis. So that proves that that running. Causes and everybody says that in the st- everybody comes in the store and says, "Well, I, my, you know, it's running's hard on your knees. That's why I can't do it." Yeah, and it's like. Have you have you looked around at all the people who don't run who have knee arthritis? And that's, <laughs> right. so that's the sort of that, that's the counter argument. And and there's been tons of studies, like lots of studies that have followed people since the '80s. You know, for 20, 30 years, um, runners and a matched group of non-runners. And every time the runners have are less likely to develop knee arthritis. So there's actually some evidence or some suggestion that running actually makes you less likely to develop yes. knee arthritis. And probably there are two possible reasons for that. One is that it helps prevent you from gaining weight. And, you know, with every step you take, the heavier you are, the, the, the more magnified the forces are, whether you're walking or running. So running may help avoid putting that extra load on your knees. And also it turns out arthritis isn't just a wear and tear kind of disease. It's also an inflammatory disease. It's affected by system-wide levels of inflammation in your body. And running is a... And, Exercise in general is a very effective anti-inflammatory. So there's a couple of reasons to think that runners may be even a little bit less likely to get arthritis, and that's what the big 
epidemiological studies find too. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody believes that. <laughs> At least nobody, you know, your, your your grumpy uncle who will tell you that you're ruining your knees will never believe the studies. But that's what it says. <laughs> and uh, and that, I'm going to keep writing that same article, you know, every six months, just to say, hey, here's another study that said runners. Don't get knee arthritis more often than than people who don't run. Well, I, I agree with that study because that's what I want to hear. But I think that's what a, exactly. <laughs> a lot a lot of people do that oh, though. I, I just that that's the problem with to me uh, as a you're a scientist. Uh, the problem with 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 all these studies is you know like I alluded to before, you can find a study supports pretty much any argument how do you how, what what do you what, what do you say to that yeah that's a great point and you know this is a real challenge for me I, I, you mentioned earlier there's a sort of been this sort of debate about oh does running too much actually give you heart attacks instead of taking right. them away and look i'm a runner <laughs> i run every day and so it's it's really hard for me to to sort of be fully, fully uh, independent and impartial about sure. that, and I can I can definitely find studies that refute that, but that's not really the point. So I, I, I'm definitely not perfect about it, but I, I I try my best to say, okay, let's leave aside what I want to find and let's look impact impartially at the evidence. And so whenever I've written about the heart stuff, I've kind of tried to put that front and center. I, I said, look, I'm a columnist for Runner's World. I run every day. You know what my bias is. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, here are some things. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to think, but I'm going to say, here's some, some, some problems that I see in the studies that, that suggest running is bad for you, and here's some countervailing evidence that suggests it's not so bad for you. At the end of the, at the end of the day, if I was an impartial person, I would say, I don't want to just take my advice on running from the guy at Runner's World. I want to, I want to hear different perspectives. But, uh, yeah, you know, Science is a human endeavor, and writing about science, from my perspective, is also I'm a human, so I have to be aware of those those biases, and I can't totally get rid of them. But uh, you know, I think awareness is the is the kind of step one. You have to. The, the, the most frustrating thing to me are people who have those biases but deny that they're they're even there. So I know my biases are there, and I try and fight them. But uh, but well, yeah, you have to filter through your perceptions. Yep. It's not just you as as the author who's who's being aware of of the biases. I mean, there's there's a lot of scientific studies out there that are paid for or financed by people right. that profit right. off of those those studies, um, and and they don't make that association. But I, I think you bring up a really good point too. Is if you're looking for this information, you can't just read one headline and right. and come to a conclusion that it's really important for the consumer to also seek different uh, thoughts out there in the scientific community and see what different studies were there and actually uh, participate in their own uh, academia, if if you will. Um, and, and I think like that's that's a real problem today, especially uh, in in this uh, digital culture where where we want answers in five seconds. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. And, and the, the point you raise about you know scientists have their own agendas, especially if they're funded. I think that's an even broader point because even if you have a perfectly good scientist who's not getting money from any industry source or anything like that, they have their own career uh, goals to think about too. If 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 they have a big counterintuitive result that's going to get front page headlines, uh, they're more likely to push that uh, angle and. The journal is more likely to publish it and put out a press release, and journalists like me are more likely to, to pick up the story. So I think that contributes to the general sense of, like, this week, you know, broccoli is good for you. Next week, it's bad for you. The week after, it's good for you. 
everyone's trying to look for a story that that upends the conventional wisdom. So my you know my advice on that is no one study changes my opinion or at least flips my opinion on anything. It it any study moves me a little bit, but it's not like I wake up every morning and form totally new opinions based on what I read in the paper. It's like I have my general sense of, you know, whether stretching is good for me. I read a new study and I say, okay, that pushes me a little bit towards yes, it's good, or a little bit more towards no, it's not. Uh, but but I don't I don't let myself be blown in the wind by every new study because there's this this is prevailing desire to find you know surprising results, and so they get all the all the hype. Well, I guess the answer is continues to be it depends, which is frustrating. I wanted you to answer <laughs> these questions for us. I want to get to one other one that you touched on just now. A lot of people ask about uh, ask about their knees, and they ask about stretching. Uh, is stretching good? Do you do static stretching? Do you do active stretching? What kind of stretching should I do? I'm going to run the Marine Corps Marathon. I'm going to run the, the Clarendon Day 10K coming up here, and I'm just a new runner or a, a media or a, a moderate runner. What what kind of stretching should I do? Yeah, this one could get me into trouble. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> a couple things. First, I think it's important to distinguish between stretching and warming up. And in a lot of studies in the in, in the old days, those things, two things were mixed together, and stretching was sort of synonymous with warming up. It's important to warm up before you run hard, um, and there are different ways of warming up. Um, you know, starting with just doing some very very easy jogging to get your body warm, and then maybe doing some strides, and maybe doing some drills or dynamic stretches. Most I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend you know sitting and trying to touch your toes for for thirty seconds or a minute. Um, right before a run that's so there's warming up is, is a good thing warming up gets your body loose and your muscles loose and ready to run stretching is is a different thing trying to enhance flexibility and is if you're more flexible does that make you less likely to get injured the answer is i don't know and i don't think anybody really knows for sure right there surprisingly there isn't really any good evidence that that's the case but the, the thing is, it's a really hard thing to study. So the absence of evidence isn't the same as evidence of absence. So what, what I will say is, when I in my days with with uh, with Centro's group in DC, I stretched probably twice a day, every day. Um, I, I got injured a lot, not because of stretching, <laughs> but because I was training really, 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 really hard. Right. Um, since then, I when I left DC, I kind of backed off the running a little bit. I, I still ran, I still run every day, and I still, you know, I still race and all that, but I'm not pushing way at the edge of my limits. I don't stretch anymore, and I haven't really been injured in the last 15 years or, you know, 10 years, let's say, 10 or 12 years. So I think it, it depends on, it depends. on the person's need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what, you know, you, well, you can you can grill me until the cows come up, <laughs> and I will answer every question with it depends. Well, uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, in in your experiment, you changed too many variables, and you didn't have a control. Is that correct? We got into this conversation yeah. last week, Alex, about what a controlled variable is, and it's not a controlled variable. All right, what what a control is. All right, is is Docs right in that that you changed too? Yeah, say your question again, Docs. Uh, well, like, did you you had too many variables in in that experiment, right? You're 100 percent right. I can conclude nothing from that. But but I can conclude. I, so I, I can conclude that 
I've been able to run for the last 10 years yep. <laughs> almost every day with, without stretching. But, but I don't think, but I, I would, I would imagine that if I was pushing a little harder, doing, doing more speed workouts and stuff, so the situation might be different. And the truth is most of the top runners in the world stretch. Right. So I think that's something you can't ignore. Um, so I, I'm, I'm definitely not saying stretching is useless, but it's, I think it, it, it's maybe been a little overemphasized in the past. And, um, you know, if you have a specific injury or a specific weakness or a specific imbalance, then there's a really important role for, for stretching and strengthening. Um, but just the generic stretching, I, I, I'm the, jury, the jury is out there on, on that for me. Well, Alex, um, switching gears a little bit here. We, we on this podcast talked a lot about the two-hour marathon attempt, and I know you've covered it. Uh, you wrote a Runner's World article on it, and the barrier of the psychological and physiological barrier uh we saw you on cnbc talking about it uh it was i thought it was a really a lot of the the core runners didn't love it let me ask you this first what did you think as a guy who was an elite runner um where they did go out and control a lot of variables for uh this this marathon or to try to break the the, the two-hour marathon um what, what did you think of the attempt Yes. So this is a classic example of a case of what I was saying before, where it's hard for me to know what I would have thought if I wasn't already, if I wasn't covering it for Runners World. Mm-hmm. You know, like I. So I never got a chance to to just sort of experience it without it, the moment I'm the moment I'm writing a story about it for Runners World. I don't want it to be a complete joke, right? right. Like <laughs> right, right. so, so, so I I always I always thought, yeah, you know, this isn't necessarily exactly how I would have done it, but I thought it was a. A reasonable thing to do. It's like a lot of the criticism was like, "Oh, Elliot Kipchoge should have run the London Marathon." You know, we could have seen him him battle with Kenny Bikili. It's like we saw we saw that last year. Like <laughs> we've seen that many times before. This is this is a one time thing to try something different. To say, okay, what if we control all these other variables? How fast can people really run for a marathon? So you know, look, I, I get the criticism, um, and I think even if I you know, if I hadn't been covering it, maybe I would have been a little more skeptical about it. But overall, I think you no know, matter even if I w- even if I wasn't covering it, I would have said, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll tune in, find out. I'm, I'm curious to see what the best runner in the world can do when he's got a sort of perfectly flat course and perfectly even pace and all these other things. So, what was your um, take on? Uh, did you think he could do it? Do you think the the body can do it? Do you think anyone can do it? I didn't think he would do it on that day. I think my my pre-race estimate was like a 1% to 10% chance that he might get there, depending on how well the stuff like the drafting worked out. I don't think there's any fundamental reason that a human can't do it. Um, and I certainly don't think that now that Kipchoge ran two hours flat plus 25 seconds. Like, that was faster than I think almost any serious observer expected. And so the, the big question that's, that's standing now is that, was that because controlling those conditions made allowed him to gain two or three minutes, or was that because Kipchoge is an absolute monster? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to find that we're going to get a, at least one chance to answer that question later this month in Berlin, and we'll see what we'll see what Kipchoge runs now that he has run two flat twenty-five. If it was all a mental barrier, if it was just like, oh, now he knows he can run that fast, let's see him do it in Berlin. Otherwise, maybe it's, it, it really was more about the dragging and the fancy shoes and stuff like that. Do you believe that uh, the two-hour marathon will be like the four-minute mile where, you know, how many years ago did we think the four-minute mile barrier was? Was that 40, 50 it was years ago? in the 60s. Uh, you know, so do you think that when somebody does break it, if they do break it, 
um, we'll see high schoolers breaking <laughs> two-hour marathons. <laughs> well, yeah. And I'm yeah, saying that a little tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I think the the the, the overall standard of competition is such that uh, it's harder to make big gains now, and I don't think we're going to see high schoolers running uh, two-hour marathons. But right. um, I think once someone does it, someone else will do it. And uh, um, there's a bit of a mythology around the four-minute mile. Like I've read. I was doing a little research on this uh, for for a book that an upcoming book, and I was looking back at the four minute mile, and you can find like books that just have all these false claims, self help books saying the the four minute mile was a mental barrier, and the year after uh, he he you know Bannister did it, three hundred other people did it, and it's like no, that's actually not true. The year after Bannister did it, three people did it, right. and the three hundredth person to do it didn't do it until twenty five years later. So. It was still hard even after Bannister broke the four-minute mile, and a two-hour marathon is going to be still hard uh, even if and when someone does it. But I think if it, you know Kipchoge, Elliot Kipchoge, who ran this two flat twenty-five and won the Olympic uh, gold medal last year, he's obviously a, a spectacular talent. So what I don't know yet, and what I'm really curious to find out is, is our marathoners getting close to two hours, or is Kipchoge just an exceptional, unique talent? And, and in five years, when he's retired, marathons are going to be going back to 205 and 206 or whatever. Just just to clarify, Roger Bannister did that in 1954. Okay, so 54. So that was, yeah. yeah, do the math on that. All it's right. impossible to know how long ago yeah, that was. 60 some years. Especially, but. I mean, we're not going to do the math because we don't know when the people listening are going to listen to that's, this. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Listen to this. This is evergreen. We could, uh, yeah. They could be listening years from now. So. Yeah, yeah. So we don't want to confuse them. So, Alex, you teased uh, a little bit of, of your, your next uh, book. Tell us a little bit more about uh, that book and what other projects you're working on well thank you for asking um <laughs> yeah I have a, my, my, my new book is called endure um mind body and the curiously elastic limits of human performance and uh, i actually just submitted the final draft this morning uh it'll be out in february and nice. basically it's a sort of it's not a how-to manual it's kind of a just an exploration of what defines our limits like if if if, if some, we can or can't run a two-hour marathon what what is it that stops us? Is it the heart? Is it the lungs? Is it the muscles? And same thing sort of more broadly, like climbing on Everest or free diving to the bottom of the ocean or, you know, going on a polar expedition. In, in all these various contexts, what defines our limits? And, and the, the sort of the, the teaser, this one I'll give you, I can give you a, a better summary of, is that the brain more often than the, bo- than the body uh, kind of defines these limits that we feel hmm. as physical that are actually mediated by the brain in a lot of cases. Interesting. Um, so we have a team of scientists that work for our show, <laughs> yes. and they're tackling a few important topics oh, for man. us. And just in case you're interested or you know running out of ideas for your article, um, there's actually a, a scientific phenomenon, which I'm sure you've heard of, but an appearance on this podcast results in an exponentially decayed five-second bump in their next race. Yes. Uh, but so far, we've not gotten a scientific explanation for this. Um, do you have any, have you come across this yet? Cause so you give do them, a lot more. Give them reading. an example of somebody who came on the show. And then I, I think Carrie Gallagher, Carrie Gallagher Carrie was Gallagher the first came, one to prove yeah, the theory. So she came on the show two years ago and then, mm-hmm. you know, ran a PR. Right. Uh, of, she, to, qualify to qualify for worlds. To qualify for worlds. Yeah. 
that's uh, clearly that's actually in chapter eleven of my nice. uh, my new book. I'm just I'm, I'm adding it as we speak. It's it's yeah. definitely a, a sign of the brain's power and of the power of this podcast for sure. There we go. All right. Good, Perfect. good, good, good to answer. hear that that uh, the scientific community is embracing this. Uh, we also have a team of scientists. They're they're a different team of scientists. And they support our beer mile, yes. Uh, making sure the measurements are are correct, and uh, they wear lab coats and and use beakers uh, to so measure how much beer is left in the, each mm-hmm. of the can. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. to make sure that that the beer mile is valid. Right. Uh, and I just kind of wanted, since this is a science uh, show, I wanted to give a <laughs> shout out to those scientists as well, uh, so that because they are a different group of scientists, but. Uh, um, yeah, so no real question, just a, just a so statement. So I, I guess our question is, for our next beer mile, would you like to join yeah, them? exactly. Uh, and and, um, and partake? What, whatever date it is, I'm, uh, I'm unfortunately busy that day. <laughs> <laughs> and the backup day. <laughs> All right, Alex. Well, I got one more thing for you before you get you out of here. Um, as a as an author, uh, I'm sure you read you know plenty of books um i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to get 12 books this year so i'm going to add which comes first cardio or weights to to my list i'm a little behind but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get there can we ask him what no, what book number do you think farley's on for the year <laughs> his his goal was to, to average one per month yeah well knowing his incredible finishing kick I'm going to get you to two right now. You nailed it. I am on number... Well, I'm actually on number four. I'm on number four. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's a good answer. Uh, So did you read... One of the books I read, one of my favorite books, did you read Centro's book? You know what? I I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I tried ordering it. And it wasn't shipping to Canada when I first tried ah, ordering it. I haven't gotten around to okay. reordering well, it. Well, I, I highly yeah. recommend it. I was I was interested in your your take on it. Uh, we'll have to get you on again uh, when your book comes out, and uh, we'll have to get your review of of Centro's mm-hmm. Centro's work. A uh, dual book yeah, report. I, I, I read yeah. the free chapter that was on. I need to I need to order the full book. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks like it's going to be super entertaining. It, it was, uh, and it, it, not surprisingly. Yeah, and, and for someone like you who who knows Coach and and uh, knows the family, I think you'll you'll really enjoy it. So uh, yeah, you have to check that out. Yeah. All right, Alex. Well, Definitely. I really really appreciate your time. Uh, his book is. Which comes first, cardio or weights? So you can get that wherever books are sold. Uh, he's also uh, a columnist on, for Runner's World, uh, and he is the author of The Fast Lane. A lot of good stuff there on Runner's World. Uh, it comes out, you know, weekly, weekly online. Uh, you're also you also do a number of articles in the hard copy that you can find in any uh, any grocery store, any Pacers running store, all those places. So, uh, man, thank you so much. We'll tweet out some of the some of the links. Where where can we find you on uh, on so on social media? Simplest place is probably on Twitter. My handle is Sweat Science, all one word, Sweat Science. Uh, you can also my website is alexhutchinson.net. Since some eleven year old pinball player in New Jersey <laughs> took alexhutchinson.com. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll tweet out both those those links. Uh, and and again, thank you so much. Great great to catch up with you, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to have you, man. All right, there he goes. That's Alex Hutchinson. This is Pace the Nation. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the program, and thanks again to. PhD Alex Hutchinson for joining us. And what is you call him doctor, right? Doctor. Doctor, yeah. yeah. Author, Farley, what doctor. does PhD stand for? Uh, physics 
I don't, I don't remember. You know, I, I retain some stuff. I don't retain <laughs> other stuff. I retain most of the important stuff. That, that stuff, you know, uh-huh. I know that he's smart. When uh-huh. I see PhD, I know you're smart and went uh-huh. to a lot of school. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah. I, remind, remind me. Didn't he say it's a philosophy doctorate? Okay. So the P, the P doesn't stand for philosophy, though. Yeah. How do you spell philosophy? I, I don't know. Let's, <laughs> let's move on from that. Well, he was a great interview. <laughs> really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed having Alex on the. Good to reconnect with. I haven't talked to him in ten years, so good to reconnect with Alex. Well, I'm glad the podcast could bring you together. Yes, absolutely. Next week we're gonna have Farley's uh, fourth grade lunch partner. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful, we might. <laughs> uh, do you think that he's ever seen the Northern Lights before? I don't even know what the what are the Northern Lights. I've Aurora heard Northern Borealis. Lights. Yeah. Um, I don't. That I've, didn't help. Was there a show? <laughs> was there a show? The Northern Lights. Uh, Northern Exposure Northern with the Moose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Has have you? Is that in Toronto? I don't know. There, it's definitely not in Toronto. Okay. Um, you can see it from very north in Canada. We should have asked him. I, I feel like I feel like he definitely hasn't seen it in Toronto. He would have had to make a special trip to go there. Yeah. Since he's uh, has a physics background, he probably was interested in doing that. Huh. Um so I if if like gun to my head, I would say yes, he's seen it. Yeah. Uh but I do not think that just because you're Canadian you've seen it. <laughs> I think that has more to do my my Opinion thinks because he's a scientist. Well, that would also be my opinion okay. as well. And then right. he's in Canada, and there are some good yeah. spots to see it. So like yeah. he has opportunity as well. Have you seen the Northern Lights? No, but I really, really want to go see them, and I want to go to Iceland. And I had suggested to my brother that we take a sibling trip there to see the Northern Lights, and he counteroffered with uh, a trip to Canada. Wait, so. wasn't the <laughs> podcast going to go to Iceland at one point? We yes, were, we were. Yeah, we could go what see the Northern Lights. Yeah. Let's ramp that back up. Because because Iceland is on my bucket list. Of and and there's uh, five countries are I want to so go see cheap. right now. They are, yeah. And I've heard that that uh, Iceland is is uh, um, getting to be so touristy that that it's losing its. Uh, we gotta go before yeah. it gotta gets. Go now gotta go too. Gets. Gotta go quickly. Speaking of which, my favorite pizza place. I can talk about it now because everybody in the world knows about it. Was this place called Timber, and it was kind of totally under the radar mm-hmm. um, on uh, in Petworth. And it's a just great atmosphere, great pizza. And they got written up in Bon Appetit as one of like the country's best restaurants. And then the Washington Post just named it the best restaurant. There are people now waiting outside Lines in out lawn mm. chairs. Yeah. To oh, wow. They're just there. cupcakes, people. <laughs> yeah. I'm like really, cupcakes. I'm really salty about this. Now I have to find a new pizza place. Farley, Joanna's favorite pizza place is called Timber. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Pitbull Kesha salt? Um, well... I'm not afraid to admit it. Mm-hmm. I don't hate that song. It's going down. Which I'm yelling timber. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's I good. mean, it's I, good. Don't, I don't mind that song. Uh-huh. Um, I recently took a, this <laughs> makes me sound like I have early onset grump, but I took a road trip recently and I was listening to the radio and it was playing all of the popular current mm-hmm. day songs and I hated every single one of them. Well, they probably didn't play that one. If know, they had, that, I would have hated it. <laughs> that song's like five years old. So yeah, that's not like popular. High school kids yeah. don't like that song. Yeah. All right. Well, <sighs> We uh, have to. We'll have to get Alex back on, and we'll have to ask him about the Northern Lights when we do. Uh, but really appreciate Alex Hutchinson joining us on the program. Um, give him a follow on Facebook and Twitter. A lot of good stuff. He is the sweat scientist, and maybe the first scientist we've had on the program. So nope. I'm glad you covered those uh, questions with him. Well, we've had other scientists. Yes. Okay. John Kelly was a scientist. No, that's oh, right. Right, that's right. 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 Good call. Uh, it is football season. Uh, my team. 
took it on the chin yesterday. And oh yeah, was, I remember it was, that. It was a tough day. Took it on the chin. Yeah, it's a. They cliche. got punched. Cliche. Oh. Uh, Redskins lose. Uh, the Washington football team lose to Doc's favorite team, the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles. How, how's your fantasy team doing? Uh, <laughs> since I picked up a lot of Redskins, um, not very well. Really? Why would week. Why would you just pick? You know, I, I told him during uh, the draft too. I was like, Farley's trying to double down on his disappointment. Yeah. You know, so it's like he he can't be happy about anything if his Washington football team loses. I know. So because I, it means his his fake football team also loses. loses. Are you guys just in one fantasy league? The three. One, three. I'm in. I'm in one, which is one too many. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, are you Although any, I did win the league last year, and if anybody wants to come over to my house and visit the trophy, it's, uh, <laughs> the championship trophy, visiting hours are between 11 and noon. Yeah, are you, are you in any fantasy football leagues? No, oh, I don't okay. know. I didn't even know the football had started until this moment. Well, this is this is my favorite time of year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing better than getting up and doing a long run on Sunday okay. and then checking out your 1 o'clock uh Washington Redskins football game. Washington gonna, football team. I'm going to make another argument for soccer because okay. I also like that the English Premier League is on at like 10 o'clock on a Saturday. Because then you 10 still, a.m. Right. Yeah, 10 a.m. Because yeah. then you you still the rest of your day and you know that it's a 90 minute commitment. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, usually two hours because they have a halftime. Yeah, um, and then maybe a little stoppage, but. Mm-hmm. You know what your commitment is, and then by noon, like you still have the whole rest. Then you have of the rest day. of the day to yourself. Yeah. Like but football is in the middle of the day, or at like five o'clock. I feel like yep. it destroys an entire day. And the games last way more than three hours. And it, yeah. d- it does. That is a problem. It does. I mean, baseball is by day. far the worst, but football is a close second for well, me. Well, you can multitask with baseball. Football is so intense; you have to watch every single play. And there's and, so many breaks. And there's so many breaks. It's annoying. Right. You're right. I, I agree with you. My problem with the 10 a.m. start is mm-hmm. I can't get up early enough. If I'm going to do, <laughs> do a long run. You can't get a 10 a.m. start. No, in. I can't get a it's 10 It's definitely a morning person's thing. Yeah. And in, well, in to be fair, in Europe, it's not 10 right. a.m. Like three in the afternoon, though. That's yeah. kind of, they play in the afternoon, which is kind of cool. They don't play night games generally. Yeah. You know? um, Farley, what you could do is you could TiVo the game, mm-hmm. and then while you're on your long run, as long as you're not running with your device checking that. all your stuff, then then you just get back in and you, you check it out, and that will help wean you off your social media dependence. I can't do, you there know, you go. I, you know what? It sounds like a good idea, but part of the mm-hmm. experience for me is interacting with all the Twitter followers, You know, uh, watching what's happening on social media, real time oh that reminds me i went to a baseball game on saturday night and uh, a guy ran onto the field he did yeah wait what night did you go saturday really yeah and uh he like ran around the field and there was like three security guys chasing him um and he did the like oh hands up i give up and then like oh just kidding and like tried to mm-hmm. take off again and then they, they pummeled him yeah <laughs> the hope, one guy like jumped on him tackled him to the ground handcuffed him and walked him off the field yeah they should put him in jail for a year. For I think that for they, a year. It is trespassing. It is, yeah, they could sue so him. Frustrating. He gets arrested, and I also heard that that he gets banned from um, all MLB games yeah, for the rest of, of his yeah. life. Is it for, worth for it? For life? That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true. If if it's for life, no, it's not worth it for you. You should do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when oh, sorry, guys, you, can't yeah. go to the game. Yeah. I'm banned. It's, it would be it would be a good thing for you <laughs> twice over because most of the people chasing you. Uh, are not fast. Yeah. And so like if you if you do interval workouts, like you could probably milk that clock before you get pummeled uh, and take one in the chin. Uh, and then you get a lifetime ban so you never have to go back to I'm a baseball game. Go- <laughs> 
and it's not your fault. You'd be like, oh, let's just go to a, let's go to the MLS game, which is the same night, uh, because I'm not banned from RFK. I'm, there you go. I am not going to stand by and let you guys on a podcast <laughs> I'm on. R- sporting events in DC are sacred. I don't want Ugh. idiots running on the field. <laughs> And, and and you guys it allows you allows you the opportunity to tweet a little bit more. <laughs> you guys are, are uh, listen. Are, I I like going to sporting events and I like baseball. Uh, so I'm not bad mouthing baseball, but I'm respecting the fact that Joanna does not like baseball, well, and I'm giving her an I'm idea. Not stand by idly. Well, you know, you people people can have different opinions. Right. You know. And I was really grumpy about having to go to the game, but once I got there, it's, it's fun. Right? It's fun. It does yeah. go way too long, though. I didn't say it at the end because it's yeah. way past my bedtime. But it is nice to be in the stadium. Yeah. There's just there's Probably so yeah. much. Sounds like she didn't drink enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not. But it's so exp- Everything is so it is expensive. expensive. It is. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Highway robbery. That's true. One time I went to a, a 18 inning <laughs> baseball game with Farley, oh, uh, which yeah. was a playoff Rough game man. in October. And we rode our bikes to the stadium, and uh, Farley bought a very expensive Washington Nationals sweatshirt because he was so cold at the end of the game. Uh, yeah. And the price tag was really, really big. Four times what I could have bought it for. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was How much? It was, it, was, it was probably like 10 times the cost of our new Pace the Nation hoodie yes. sweatshirt. Yes, which I'm glad you mentioned. They will be uh, available uh, this mi- middle of September – I'd say may give us the September 21st. We will have the uh, Pace the Nation sweatshirts available online for your purchase. Uh, we're still kind of figuring out what the price is, but they will be reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. A lot of value, I can promise you that, for a really <laughs> cool sweatshirt. And if you find yourself at an 18-inning baseball yes. game, uh, you'll be happy you got one. No doubt. Because uh, you don't want to pay those stadium prices. <laughs> those, the, those are exorbitant. All right. This podcast, of course, is sponsored by Pacers Running. Pacers Running with five area D.C. locations. Pacers Running is for every run. Uh, we also, of course, have a store in Princeton, New Jersey, 7 Palmer Square in Princeton. All right. So, guys, I mentioned at the top that I had ruined uh, my running career. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Maybe – that might have been a little embellished fine uh wait was maybe this a, a little dramatic was fine. this a recent event or did this happen 15 years ago <laughs> <laughs> no, no it did happen on friday night uh, uh joanna was there working the floor um in clarendon in, in 14th street, in 14th street. Oh. Uh, we had a spike night over there uh you know busy a lot of kids there a lot of uh-huh. people there yeah. Working the floor. Uh, got a, it was really sweaty and got smelly. A, got a customer. Mm-hmm. Was it really? <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, got a, I love it. Got a customer uh, who uh, needed to try on a couple pairs of shoes. I had brought her the wrong size, so oh, I was no. a little annoyed with myself uh-huh. that I had, you know. Did she put at them it. on, or or you figure that out when I you figured brought- it out when I when I brought so. Uh-huh. I wanted to hustle to make sure that I got her the size that I was supposed to get. Okay. Her. So I run, so like you, literally run to the back room. You made a mistake, and now you're trying to double down on it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So trying to cover for that mistake, and you know, a lot not of waste doubling down on this episode. <laughs> We're a, gonna go not, play blackjack. Not waste your time. So I run, and I hurdle the bench. As a former steeplechaser. Yeah, mm-hmm. former steeplechaser. He did steeple. He yeah. was a steeple people in college. Probably not. For 20 years, I haven't done a steeplechase, uh-huh. unfortunately. And it showed. <laughs> and uh, my trail leg, my trail knee banged the bench. And those benches are, they move, but not much. Uh-huh. I 
fall very thick wood oh yeah i fall over sprawled out on the ground in front of a half dozen people uh-huh uh, okay uh fairly embarrassing that's only six people yeah fairly embarrassing but i run back and uh you know don't really even say anything everybody's like oh my gosh are you okay are you okay uh, go back to the back room gather myself so mm-hmm. it actually took probably five times the amount of time <laughs> i would have taken because i'm like wow that uh, really hurts don't and, let anybody see you cry <laughs> right so i'm in the back room um crying essentially uh, my knee swells up to about double the size and mm-hmm. i haven't been able to run since i did sell the pair of shoes but i've been able to run since so I can't tell you how frustrating that was when it was a self-inflicted dumb wound that I gave myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a, a run schedule the next morning that I had to totally bail on. Yep, with Joanna's cousin. Uh, and, I, you know, my like I said, my, again, probably a little overdramatic now. Um, I usually bounce back from injuries quickly, but my marathon streak, making it all about me, may be in jeopardy. It's only been a few days. I know. Yeah, it's been three days I haven't run. But, you know, I, I kind of feel like you haven't been training very well anyway. Yeah. And so now you're just looking for, a, <laughs> a, like, an external excuse. It's like, right. I would have done it except, except for, for that knee injury. And, uh, I, and I made it so everybody would see yes, the yeah, knee yeah, injury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's well thought out. Yeah. Um, I will also present on the other side that I think it was a 2007 Chicago Marathon when Dina Castor said – an American record. Mm-hmm. Um, she was significantly injured leading up to that race and did most of her running in a pool. She couldn't put any weight in her foot for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's true. So there are workarounds. There just are saying. workarounds. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not a big. Finally, I I believe that guy. you can get a three hour marathon this year. I think you're going to do it. Uh, thank you. The brain is the most important hurdle <laughs> yeah. to overcome. <laughs> yeah, that is true. All right, I'm glad I got uh, you guys in my corner. Uh, Joanna, how's um, how's uh, speaking of running? How's your running going? Well, um, speaking of long runs, mm-hmm. I did my first marathon training long run, my first real marathon training nice. long run last night. Um, and I used to really relish long runs, and I have a lot of the same roots that I do. And I just like really, I'd look forward to them a lot. And I have to say, the last night I was thinking to myself, why why do a marathon? Really? Yeah, I think I might I have thought re- you and I were going to do the Joanna. Would you like to Philly subscribe marathon to together my newsletter? Yes. <laughs> I think I've reached a turning point where I'm kind of over marathons. Whoa. Yeah, I think I'm, I really love half marathons. I love the 10 mile distance. And I just, I was thinking, I'm like, is this going to be every weekend where I have to do these like ridiculously long runs that eat into the, the little time that I do have in the weekend. And then I'm going to be tired and sore and cranky. Sounds so, like you have a bad attitude. I do. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I, I'm a big fan of the half marathons and the 10 milers for myself. My, I don't think my body holds up very well. Doing yeah, a I don't think that I, I'm just not built for marathoning. But I think I should have run marathons in my 20s. It's a big regret. You, you definitely Yeah, I'm have. glad that I, I've done a bunch of them already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and gonna, there's just so much that needs to go right on one particular day. Like I'm seeing a lot of my friends who are trying to get their Boston qualifiers right now, like just have bad days and it's, mm-hmm. it stinks to put in all of that work. And then one day, like things could go right or they could go wrong. I, I just, I, I think you put too much emphasis on the, on the BQ and not enough emphasis on the training. But yeah, that's, that's probably true. I, I just, so I'm, I'm not giving okay, up yet. I'm right. not giving up yet. I'm going to mm-hmm. give my, I signed up for the Philly marathon uh, in November and I'm going to give myself to sometime in October and then I'm going to reassess if I really feel like I'm ready to do a marathon. But Joanna, you have to, you have to turn that frown upside down. I'm working on it. Okay. 
I I agree because I think that you will once you do the marathon. I think you'll be glad you did. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't want to this this podcast message today. I don't. I mean, I loved Alex, but you guys are talking about <laughs> you know running on the field on sporting events, sacred Washington <laughs> D.C. sporting events, and now you're talking about anti-marathons this is my fall sporting <laughs> events and marathons this is but my it, favorite time of year well i'm not can't... saying that you don't you don't have to give yeah. up on marathoning and I, I i have a lot of respect for everybody who does do marathons and i encourage everybody to do marathons i just think it's not for me yeah and that's i think the camp that maybe i'm starting to like All right. walk into and and i think i think as well um i can be very persuasive farley i've been convincing her her over the last three years (laughs) but i i also think that that there's something to a a running distance which you want to do that that you want to succeed in and rather than being miserable saying oh i hate doing the marathon i'm just going to give up on running i think there's a positive to say uh well then just just refocus your training uh keep running keep doing something that's really good for you really healthy and and have your goal be a, a different race distance. I, I think there's I think there's Fair. something good for All that. Right. And so then I might do the half. And I think that's absolutely true because I think a lot of people uh, try to run marathons. They put it on their bucket list. They hate the training. They hate the race. And then they they equate that totally with running. And then like oh I hate running. I trained for a marathon once and it was awful. So yeah, you can totally change your Although, focus and find something else you like. Joanna, I know that you're thinking about going ten mile and uh, half marathon. May I suggest? Uh, a different distance for you. What? Uh, foul pole to foul pole to home plate. <laughs> no, no, run I'm the bases. Gonna, I'm not going to allow this. <laughs> Back to the left field post. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, you can tweet the podcast. Wouldn't it be great if I like ran out when the ran- racing presidents were there and then like beat them all to the line? Yeah. Uh, you can, you can always tweet the podcast. It's at Pace the Nation. We are also on Facebook. Facebook backslash uh, Pace the Nation. All right. A couple things before we get out of here. Uh, Clarendon Day 10K coming up. 5K, 5K 10K. You 10K. keep forgetting about the 5K. Yep. 5K, uh-huh. 10K coming up. Uh, buy your sweatshirts that you'll see uh, in another week online. That'll be this week when the show comes out. That's right. Space uh, time continuum. Yep, that's right. Oh, we should have asked him about the space time continuum. Oh. He has a PhD in physics. He definitely has to come back. Yeah. Ugh. And then finally, of course, we are still hiring. Until yes. we Until we get enough employees in the store. Mm-hmm. We are not going to open up the internship position. I know everybody wants to now intern for the uh, for the show, mm-hmm. but w- until we get enough employees, so still hiring. Uh, and there is the opportunity to intern if you work for right, very true. Right. Yep. as well. Yep. So spread the good word. We are still hiring. Yeah, we are hiring floor staffers. Uh, you could work for Joanna in D.C. You could come work the Clarendon store where the uh podcast room is adjacent to i mean there is so many great options uh so runpacers.com uh or you can email uh tara at runpacers.com as well or like i suggested before just show up and start working like joanna did (laughs) that's probably true all right great show guys thanks again to alex hutchinson for joining us author and columnist for Runner's world, not communist, columnist. Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't ask him about his political affiliation. <laughs> That's true. Man, we really dropped the ball on this interview today. We have a number of questions for when Alex comes back. All right. Thanks again to Alex for joining us. Thanks to the listeners. 122 episodes in. Great job to the listeners. Thanks to Joanna. Thanks to Docs. I am Chris Farley. This is Pace Nation. We'll see you next week.
Farley, Joanna's favorite pizza place is called Timber. What's your favorite Timberlake Kesha song? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Justin Timberlake. Uh, I'm not afraid. They to have I, a meant, song together? I meant Pitbull. Oh, oh, I, wait, I wait, let me do think. Farley, uh, Farley, Joanna's favorite pizza place is called Timber. What's your favorite <laughs> Pitbull Kesha song? Uh, I, I'm a fan of, of, you were supposed to say Pitbull. Then I did say Pitbull. Oh, okay. Sorry. Didn't you're I? Gonna have yeah, to, you said yeah, Pitbull. Okay, you're going to have to edit it. All right. I am, you know, I'm a fan of, not surprising to the audience, a fan of Justin Timberlake. And I don't mind that song, um, It's Going Down, I'm Yelling Timber. I don't mind that. I thought that's a Pitbull song. Why do you keep saying Justin Timberlake? Oh, I thought you said Timberlake. I said her favorite song is Timber. (laughs) Okay. Her Her favorite pizza place is Timber. Okay, say that again. Hey, Alex, why not alexhutchinson.ca? Because I'm, uh, I'm aspiring to be a global media presence. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> First Washington, then the world. That's right. Ah, there you go. All right, dude. Well, well this yeah, will come out. That's a football player. Yeah, that's yeah, freak. we got to track that clown down. Um, Farley, I did research after last Friday's show to find out if parenting is actually more difficult today <laughs> than it was you, for you our find? parents. I'm sure well, it was. Uh, there were a few a few interesting conclusions that were drawn uh that that and 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 some legit studies and and I will say that um in the spirit of our guest today I checked multiple studies and didn't Good. just read read headlines yep. uh was trying to read what what different people were writing about it uh from that I drew my own conclusions uh one interesting point was that they said our parents when when they were growing up, the goal was finish high school, finish college, get married, have kids. I mean mm-hmm. that that was their life. That's true. And goals in life have changed for people today. So while it's not more difficult to have kids, uh, your path was you probably had kids fifteen years later, later than, your than parents. our parents. Yeah, uh, and true. you had a lot of other things going on in in your life that that you 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 choose. So that that is kind of uh, one angle as to why you feel it's so difficult. It's because you have other things going on in your life that you don't want to give up. And your parents, mm-hmm. y- your parents' activities, things that they wanted to do, centered around the kids anyway. So when they would go camping, it's easy. 